All right, are we, are we ready to worship with the word tonight? There's like four of you that are really ready. What about the rest of y'all? All right, well, I, I've, been, I've been waiting like three months to, to preach, so how, how long do I have? I, I had to, in all honesty, I was, I was working on, you know, processing with the Lord, what am I going to speak tonight? And I had the message and everything, and then I was sharing it with Jackie, and I was like, I think that might be like three messages, so I think I need to like pare it down. So I did. I pared it down. I think it's like three messages, and so I'm going to preach one of them tonight, but I guess if the anointing's really strong, I'll just keep pushing right on through. So we might be here till, you know, Richard had till 11.45 with some of you last week, so I figure... I should get a little bit more since I'm the home preacher, right? Like double honor to your home pastor, right? That's how it's supposed to go. I'm just joking. Uh, it's really, really good to be back. And yeah, I, I had a, a couple things just to, even before I, I get in the message, just to communicate to you guys. And the first was this. I felt the Lord just put it on my heart to really give you permission in this time to respond to God. Uh, meaning, you know, in worship, we know we're, we're worshiping and we're singing and we're responding to God. But sometimes I think we get a little stuck in the, uh, the message time that we think that, you know, I just need to sit here and I need to listen to every word that I'm saying. And I, that's great. You can listen to the words that I'm saying. But if the Spirit of God begins to just minister to you or rest on you, you have permission to respond to Him. Uh, if you need to get on your knees, if you need to come to the altar, if you need to stand, I just want you to feel like you have space to respond to the presence of God as He's resting upon His living Word and recognize that this is worship, and worship is simply responding to the revelation of who God is. So I just give you permission, nothing more than that. And the second thing is that I just want to make really clear, I've thought a lot about over the last few months, what is, it's weird being up here, by the way. It's like, man, I haven't done this in a while. I did one wedding of my sister-in-law over the break. That was the only time I spoke. Other than that, I just drowned Jackie with all types of stuff I was reading. Uh, she's like, thank you, God, an outlet that's not just me. Uh, but, but my aim, you know, Jesus is the, the way and the truth and the life. And I think that's such a picture of what a sermon is designed to be. And in my heart, I just want to make this clear to each one of you, is to bring to you revealed truth, revelation knowledge, Jesus the truth, that will articulate the way of the kingdom. My passion is not just to get up here and share some cool things with you or some stuff that I'm finding in my quiet times with the Lord. I am pursuing to walk and live in the kingdom. Jesus is the way of life. And I want to walk in that. And I'm, I'm learning and practicing this with him. And then everything that I try to bring here is to give you something real that you can take with you and begin to walk the way of life, the way of Jesus, so that we can enter into abundant life. So we are, that is my heart. That's my passion. I think I became more aware of that even in this break is I want to articulate the way of the kingdom of God. I feel weak. I feel like I don't have it figured out, but I feel like God has given me a calling to articulate the way of the kingdom so that I can give you something that's real that can lead you into the life that Jesus promises, abundant life, overflowing, this, this river of life that you can't contain. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight uh, it is the kingdom. And I, I really don't know how much I'm going to get through this message. I'm going to share some of 
Uh, really, there was one huge theme that the Lord was teaching me throughout these months and refining my understanding of, and I thought I might be able to bring that to you, but I realized I can't. So rather than try to talk really, 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 really fast and tell you all of it, I'm just going to slow down and I'm going to let the Lord fill this time with what he wants to fill it with and articulate the, the, the aspect of what his kingdom is that we can enter into tonight. Amen. If you agree with that, let's just maybe close our eyes for a minute and let's just let's just recognize God is already here in this place, but just become aware. Just kind of slow yourself down. And God, we just let go of agenda. We let go of whatever is later tonight. We let go of whatever happened earlier. We let go of the, the many and the much and the thoughts that can race. And we just ask that you'll slow us down to this very moment right here. And we thank you, God, that you are here right now in this present moment. And I just ask, God, that you would make us present to your presence and that the voice of God will speak into this place and that you'll, you'll anoint the words of my mouth. God, you'll anoint your scriptures and you'll open the eyes of our hearts to see the way of Jesus tonight. And I pray that in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to just state emphatically as we begin tonight that the kingdom of God is now. Say now. now. Right now. The kingdom of God is now. Uh, seriously. Like it's right this very moment. You have access to the reality that you're longing for. And another way to say that is that literally right now in this moment, the life that your soul is craving, the life that in a deep way that's beyond what you could even put words to, what you are longing for is available right now. Amen. Nothing needs to change. You don't need more money. You don't need more anointing. You don't need situations and relationships to change. You don't need your health to change. You don't need, I'm not saying that there's not hardships. I'm not saying that there aren't things that perhaps the presence of God that come upon you would change, but you don't need anything in life to change. Life is now. That's the message of Jesus. I want to change the way you're thinking so that you can enter into what you're longing for right now. The message of Jesus, he's not no strings with carrots saying, come and do all of these things and then one day you'll get to taste of life. <laughs> That's not Jesus. That is the message of every other preacher. Every other pulpit will get you chasing a carrot on a stick. That is not the message of Jesus. He came to the poor and the broken and the marginalized and said, it's now. Life starts now. I am inaugurating a new era of humanity and it is that you do not have to keep pushing life to another date when it's bigger and better and everything that you imagine. It's now. Life is now. The kingdom is now. And how do you enter this? How do you enter the kingdom? How do you enter into the life that you are longing for? It's actually pretty simple. You just have to want it. That's what we see in the Gospels. Jesus kind of lays down the foundations of the kingdom in Matthew 5. You've probably read them, the Beatitudes. Uh, two of the first four are the ones that I've always meditated on the most, which is the poor in spirit get the kingdom. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled, satisfied. 
right? There's, and, and, and he begins preaching this message that the kingdom is now into the absolute astonishment of the Pharisees who were the ones chasing the carrot on the stick. They're watching the poor and the broken and the marginalized enter in, get touches of God's power. You know, Samaritan woman, so shamed that she went to a well in the middle of the hot day when no one else would be there, rejoicing and leaping into the city that I'm seen and I'm known and I'm loved. The, the nobodies of Israel, the nobodies, the Samaritans, they're entering into life. Pharisees don't know what to do with it. Nobody knows what to do with it. But the simple, most uneducated, broken people were getting the message of Jesus. The kingdoms now and the way that you enter it is you just desire it. You just want this. You just hunger for it, and you enter. Come to me, all who are thirsty, and I'll give you water. When? Eight years from now? No. That's why Jesus is talking about water. You need it now. Jesus' message, he's not withholding for a later day. It's now. Life is now. It's, it's for you now. I'm here now. He gets angry at the Pharisees and says, you're searching the scriptures because you think in them there's the power of God, but you don't come to me because I have life for you now. The life we're longing for is now. And the way we enter it is we desire it. Psalm 27, this is old covenant, but there's a man, David, he was a worshiper, like Justin was talking about, who worshiped the Lord with this heart, this intimate connection. He, he was a forerunner. He had this experience of life even before the revelation of Jesus. And in Psalm 27, we see in verse 8, God says, it says, when God said, seek my face, my heart replied to you, your face, O Lord, I seek. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold your beauty and to meditate upon you in the temple. There's his desire. He wanted it. Why did David find God? Because he wanted God. Why did David win the heart of God? Because he wanted God. He desired God. God said, seek my face. He simply just replied, okay, <laughs> I will. Sometimes I think we complicate this whole Christianity thing. But hear the voice of God tonight. He's saying the same thing to all of us. Seek my face. <laughs> seek my face, you'll find it. He's like, I'm not hiding. It says in Jeremiah, you seek me and you search for me, you'll find me. Sometimes I, I think we think God's withholding from us. But it's because we've been educated in a culture that trains us in withholding from ourselves. And we're always chasing the next thing because we don't quite understand how we enter. So how do we enter? How do we enter the kingdom? We want it. We desire it. We actually channel our desire upon God. When we want the kingdom, we'll find the kingdom. When we're hungry for the kingdom, we'll be satisfied with the kingdom. When we're thirsty for the water of life, we'll be satisfied with the water of life. This sounds easy, and it is in a sense. It's simple, but it's not necessarily as easy as it may sound. And that is because desire is actually something that we're not very in touch with. We're aware of desire, but a lot of 
kind of our world, we think that desire kind of happens to us. It's like, well, I have these desires, and we don't really know how to channel them. They kind of channel us. Am I speaking to the right crowd tonight? Right? We have to want God to, to receive God. There's something about desire. It's like a true north of a compass. It points us right. It, it, it compels us to the right places. We'll find the language. We'll find what's really going on when we get in touch with our desire. But we live in a world with a divided desire where souls are fractured and multiplied between so many desires. And so we hear God say, seek my face, but we don't have the ability to reply like David and say, there's only one thing I'm seeking. It's your face. That's easier said than done in a modern world that's complex and all of these things that are going on. And so the point of what I'm trying to make tonight is that this is what I want to go after is we need to reclaim our desire. If we want to enter into the life that's available when? Now. now, and I don't mean like tomorrow. I mean like now. I mean you can enter into a reality of God right now. Like God is just here, he's everywhere, he's, he's in the cells of your body, everything's held together by him, and he's like, come to me, and I'll give you life. You don't need to withhold any longer, it's here, it's now, you can enter in to what your soul's really longing for. <laughs> That's amazing, that is amazingly good news. That's too good to be true. That's why they call it the gospel, right? But this is the truth. There is an invisible war being waged against desire. And though it's invisible, we can see it if we actually dive deep and get a revelation of what our desire actually is. Our desire is awesome. Say awesome. awesome. The human capacity to desire is an awesome thing. And awesome isn't like surf culture rad, bro. Awesome. Awesome is like awesome, like fearfully, terribly marvelous. Your capacity to desire is awesome. And I want to bring you into a revelation tonight of how awesome your capacity to desire is because it should put fear in you as well as be like, that is the most marvelous thing I've ever heard. I didn't realize how awesome I am. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're awesome, man or woman, girl, gal, sis, all that church lingo. All right, so... Revelation of desire. Let's see the awesomeness of this. The book of Ecclesiastes. Who's read it? It's a kind of interesting book, wouldn't you say? Vanity, a lot of vanity in there. Striving after wind. Solomon's doing some stuff. You're like, that's a little sketchy. Good thing you're old covenant. I don't think that'd get behind the new covenant. You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't really read the book or you read it way too fast. Anyways, interesting book. Solomon, who's the king of Israel, has got all the money in the world. He's really in one of the most privileged, powerful places in that part of the world of anyone. So he's, he's kind of the height of human civilization. Powerful king, time of peace, lots of finances, and he's just filled with wisdom. It's said that foreign rulers would come uh, on caravans just to listen to him talk. That's when you know you got wisdom. Anybody ever had that before? I'd be happy if my neighbor walked three doors down and said, hey, I'd love to ask you a question. You know, like, wow, I feel so good. You know, much less uh, like th seven nations away. Okay, uh, anyways, don't knock on my door this week. <laughs> I need a couple weeks to fully adjust. You know what I'm talking about? Anyways, Solomon sets out to explore pleasure, goodness, 
essentially to explore human desire by wisdom. He kind of adds by wisdom. He's exploring it all by wisdom. And it's like, all right, we'll, we'll see what the Lord really thinks about that in heaven one day. But Solomon is exploring, and it's like sex. This is real. This is uh, money. He builds parks. He eats food. He drinks wine. He says he gets drunk, but again, by wisdom. We'll see. Uh, anyways, he does all of this exploration by wisdom. And what he's really trying, if you, if you read through the text, what he's trying to discover is what will satisfy human desire. What can satiate the appetite that is housed within man? And essentially what he finds is this. I'm kind of summarizing. You have to read the whole thing. But he essentially says, it's all vain. It's all vanity and striving after wind. Say vanity. vanity. Not vanity fair. Just vain. Just straight vain. He's like, it's vain. It's empty. And then he says this. There's this verse that I think is one of the keys to unlocking the entire book. It's in the third chapter of Ecclesiastes. He said, God has set eternity in the heart of man. So this, this is Solomon's finding. He, he did all the things you could ever want to do. And he says, it's all vain. God put eternity in the heart of man. Fast forward quite a while, a couple thousand years. We get to a theologian of the church named St. Augustine. Have we heard of him before? He's, he's African. He's North African. He's in a place called Hippo. So it's Augustine of Hippo. Anybody been to Hippo? My wife's North African, so maybe, maybe uh, Mo's been there. Who knows? A anyways, Mo from Hippo. Uh, Augustine's from Hippo. Mo, I love you if you're watching. <laughs> He's like, not allowed to say that stuff. Uh, anyways, he, he, where am I? Augustine's from North Africa. He is one of the most brilliant thinkers in the history of the church, and he coins this phrase that you've all heard either directly or indirectly. Follow me. He says this. He, he's kind of expounding upon Solomon's exploration. He says this. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. And it's from this that the, the idea of the God-shaped hole came from. Have you heard of the God-shaped hole? That's derived from Augustine in this quote. And what he is essentially getting at is that the human capacity to desire is greater than our ability to be satisfied. Wow. And so he's saying there is a self-imposed restlessness that the human state is, is stuck with because we have been created by God for God, and we will never find rest until we find rest in God. So he's expounding upon Solomon. He said, Solomon's just like, it's vain. He put eternity. Augustine's like, no, he put eternity. It's this God-shaped hole, and we won't find rest. We won't find life until we've been satisfied by God. So the God-shaped hole, right? Isn't there that song, the God-shaped hole inside of us, whatever, something like that? I, I like it and I hate it. And this is why I hate it. When, you know, if you imagine what a God-shaped hole looks like, what do you think of? Like a, like a hole in there somewhere? Maybe in my heart, maybe in my chest. It's like, oh, there's a God-shaped hole inside of me. Come fill this hole inside of me, God. That's not the right image. 
Right, so I want you to imagine with me, right, use your imagination, and let's, let's take Solomon's words of eternity, that eternity has been placed within our hearts, and then let's link that to this idea that there is a God-shaped hole inside of us. What would that hole look like? This is what I would suggest. The universe. The universe is the closest visual aid we have to eternity. Can I geek out on you for a second? So we live on a little planet that orbs, you know, uh, revolves around our sun. We just call it sun. It has a name. I don't remember what it is. Someone else probably more smart than me does. There's another star in our galaxy, right? So our closest neighbor star. Does anybody know how close it is? Almost six trillion miles away. All right, that just sounds like a number that you can't really access. So I'm going to try to make it a little more accessible. All right, this is how far six trillion miles is, all right? So the fastest spaceship that we have right now goes 150,000 miles per hour. That is the equivalent of going from Los Angeles to New York City in one minute. Wouldn't that be nice? I, I'm sure the jet lag would take a little longer to recover, but it'd still be worth it if you ask me. All right, so one minute, that's 150,000 miles per hour is one minute from Los Angeles to New York City. If we were to tilt that spaceship towards our closest neighbor star, it would take 4,400 years to get there. Meaning, if we would have left on that spaceship the day Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we wouldn't even be halfway there. That is our closest neighbor star. Right, maybe just close your eyes for a minute. I just want you to impart access, access the, the levity of eternity here. There are roughly, and this is conservative number, 200 billion stars in the Milky Way. That is our cosmic neighborhood. And they have found in the, 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 uh, through the telescopically explored regions of space that there are, are well over 200 billion galaxies that we have seen with the telescope in the universe. We can't get to the closest one, the closest star, in, in, in a lifetime, not even close. And there is an expanse beyond an expanse, beyond an expanse, beyond an expanse, beyond an expanse. And there is a God-shaped expanse, a God-shaped eternity. The one who made the stars, so he holds the cosmos in his hands, made you for himself and will be restless until we rest in him. I think we've missed the magnitude when we say the God-shaped whole. There's an eternity inside of you. There's an infinite capacity to desire inside of you because God has placed eternity within your heart. Let's ground this now in scripture, a verse that often is seen in an ethereal sense where in Paul in Ephesians 3, he's earnestly praying that the Ephesians church would know the love of Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God. I've asked myself before, how could I house the fullness of God within me? But when you look at it in terms of my ability to desire, you see that it's actually 
precisely what we were created to house. And in fact, it's what we have to house. It's what we must be filled with. And Paul is praying for the Ephesians church and for us today out of the knowing within his own heart that he was a man who desired God. He set the eternity of his desire upon the eternal one. And he was filled with God's fullness. And so then when he prays for the Ephesian church, he's praying that the same thing would happen in them. Set your desire upon God. Enter into the kingdom. Be filled with the eternal one, who is eternal love. A.W. Tozer, a more modern saint that I'm sure many of you have heard of, was quoted as saying this, God, give me all of you or give me nothing at all. That can sound like almost an arrogant demand. But when you view it in light of what Solomon's saying and Augustine's saying and Paul's saying, you see that that demand is actually the very thing that God gave us. It's the eternity within our hearts that's reaching out to eternity and saying, give me all of you. I will never find life until I'm full of you. I'll never find rest until I'm satisfied with you. It's the only thing. It's what life is. It's the fullness of God. It's what you're created for. And you actually have capacity to house him because your capacity to desire is awesome. Do you see the awesomeness? There is a God-shaped universe inside of you and it is restless until it finds rest in him. And when you're in touch with desire, this is why the way you enter the kingdom is you want it. You desire it. It's simply getting in touch with what's already inside of you and just channeling it towards the eternal one. And he comes because God made you for himself. Right. <laughs> That's such good news. Such good news. But this is the truth. This is the truth. And this is, is that there's a war on your desire. Right? And if we're ignorant of how awesome and powerful this desire is. We're not in a great place. We're in a place where we're being taken advantage of, and that's what happens. Our desire gets kind of messed with, gets fractured, it gets divided. And I believe that most humans walk around this planet not in touch with their desire, like a Tozier or a Paul or an Augustine, but we get numbed out by the way that we live our lives and we start feasting upon all these different things and we either, this desire becomes dormant or it's lost or it's forgotten altogether. And so though the message of Jesus rings out, seek my face, come to me if you're thirsty, the, the kingdom of God is now, it's just blank words that we don't even can access, we don't even have the capacity within to reach out and want. Because there's a war on our desire, but we got to get it back. And the good news is we can get it back. We can reclaim our desire. Amen. Right? That cry, that Tozier cry, God, give me all of you or give me nothing at all. It lives inside of you. Eternity is within your heart. 
This is the crux. This is, this is I, I, I don't have time. It's whatever, 1828. It's 1828. I don't have time to go into all of this, right? This is why I realized I could preach to you all night. I'm going to spare you because I think we can only can handle so much at a time. But we live in a world of idolatry. In this idolatrous world, these idols are calling out for our desire to try to flare and fan our desires away from the creator to an aspect of creation. And the idol of Western civilization, probably above every other thing, is mammon, or in a common vernacular, uh, modern vernacular, would be consumerism. And consumerism is literally built upon trying to capture this infinite capacity to desire within human beings. That's what consumerism is. There are billions of dollars spent every year to try to tap into that God-shaped universe and turn that desire from God to an aspect of creation. Because the creation has the glory of God. All creation reveals the glory of God. But what a broken world does is it severs the creation from the creator and it makes, it, it's trying to get us to worship the creation, which has a measure of glory, which can fill us and satisfy us, make us happy for a moment. But if you recognize that there's a God-shaped universe inside of you, it doesn't matter how much of the creation you possess, it will always fall short. Light years short, six trillion miles short, so short it's not even good anymore. Western industry knows if they can tap into your desire, your infinite desire, it can make an almost infinite amount of money because it's an insatiable desire. And it's working, right? It's working. We can see our world at works. We're the greatest economy in the history of the world, and it's because we consume in a way that no other culture in the history of humanity has ever consumed. Consume, consume, consume. And the truth is, this is just as much in secular circles as it is in religious circles. And we're obviously here at church tonight, and uh, I would just propose that as people in religious circles with a heart for God, our souls are actually being exposed to a war, a conflict over our desire. And it creates this tension within us between we have desire for the creator, but we also have these desires for creation. We don't quite know how to navigate it. And just to bring full disclosure to the story, I'm, I'm a part of this story. I've been walking this journey. And I, I wish I had another hour, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm gonna turn it to this way, and I'm just gonna close with this story. I probably have 15 minutes left, so hopefully that was a good, like, keep going. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. All right, yeah, 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 I'll keep going, thanks. So I, I found myself uh, this summer, you know, pulling my head off the plow, and. I had all this time, I had all this free time, and I found there was a, 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 a war inside of me, a lot of tension uh, around desire and trying to figure out how do all these things mesh. And I know it's your presence, God, but that's kind of fun. And, 
you know, all these things. And I just, I, I want to I share this because this was one of the biggest lessons that I think God has solidified inside of me. And this is going to sound maybe at first glance like kind of a superficial little comparison thing that I'm going to do, but I'm going to bring, I think there's depth to this, and this could be applied to a lot of things in life. But the last few weeks of our sabbatical, uh, we got to spend in Europe. And maybe the first half of that was kind of a divide. I don't even know exactly, but a little more than half of it was like a vacation. And Jackie and I were with Sammy and Riley, and we got to go all these fun different places in Europe. And then the last half of it uh, was a prayer retreat, and Jackie and I were then going by ourselves. We were going to go to the UK up to a kind of remote part of Wales with this tiny little uh, prayer, prayer house, prayer space. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this tiny little retreat center in the middle of nowhere, cows and sheep and everything. So that was kind of the trip. And we found ourselves at the end of the vacation time. Uh, we were in uh, Santorini, Greece. Has anybody been there before? Uh, has anybody seen it on Instagram? <laughs> I got you like too serious now. Like it's cool, right? It's like all the white little houses and everything. So uh, we, we, we weren't just going there, but that was where like the nicest, we got the nicest hotel of the whole trip. And we're on like the little cliff side and uh, we're in our own little private cave thing, and you walk out of your cave, and it's like you're like on the edge of the cliff looking out over the, the sea and the volcano caldera, and it's like, this is amazing. And then they're like, oh, and part of it is your, uh, the breakfast is included, and you get to order your whole breakfast and just tell us what time, and we'll have it there on your little private patio so you can wake up and you know have your Jesus time and whatever coffee and food and everything you want. So the first morning we got in there late, I woke up the first morning, and I, I think I over slept a little bit and I wanted my breakfast at 8 and I maybe got out at 8.05 and I walked out to this view and the whole breakfast is there on the table and it was like my soul exclaimed with glee, this is heaven. This is heaven. I have my, my hot cappuccino. I have the cold coffee. I got a salmon omelet that had caviar. Do I like caviar? I don't know, but of course I was going to order that. I got yogurt with peanut butter and granola. I got like everything, croissants, chocolate croissants. It was like this whole table is just full of food. And I'm just gleefully like, Jackie, get up, get up. We're in heaven. We're here. Like, we can die now. This sabbatical is not about going back. We've arrived. <laughs> and I mean, I'm just there. We're like giddy. It's like, how are you not giddy? It's like, this is happy. This is amazing. This is, whoo. You know, you just feel it. Glee. It's like just pure glee. And so anyways, uh, that was that morning. Then we were going throughout the day. So this is like the dream. And I literally said to myself at one point, like, this is, this is heaven on earth, you know? Anyways, I just, this is just being really real. I'm not trying to try to like degrade. It was awesome. We had an awesome three days or whatever, but this is the next 24 hours of my life. We're walking around, you know, there's the shops and all this stuff. And literally in my mind, this is where my mind started going, just found myself. It was like, man, when can I come back to this place? Like, this is, this is amazing. Like, I need to come back here. How much was it? I don't know. When could we? Like, I just, and I literally start, in my mind, start trying to figure out when could I come back to heaven on earth? Because I want to wake up to this morning every day of my life. You know what I'm talking about? This is what I find. This is what consumerism doesn't tell you, is that as soon as you try to keep something, you lose it. Because as soon as you try to keep something, you drift from now to some other time in the future that you can't control and you can't see, and you start losing it where you are. So this is happening to me. 
I don't realize this. This is all kind of subterranean. This, this came into clarity later. Then later in the day, you know, you're there. There's shops. Then there's yachts. Then there's boat tours. Then there's all the things that you can do. And uh, when I start getting stressed because there's more options and there's, I start getting controlling with finance. Oh, we don't, I don't have, and literally I get controlling and stressed and Jackie and I end up this little fight, little fight, nothing, very minor skirmish, but we, we made through it. There, there's, there is a little, there's no damage on my face. You know, that's, that's, that's when you know it's good. I'm joking. She's never touched me in that way. But anyways, <laughs> I'm just trying to make her really uncomfortable. So, so, so we're in this little tiff over finances because I'm getting afraid and anxious and controlling on heaven on earth, right? Because this heaven just has lots of expensive things with it. Um, then this, this is like the nail on the head. All right. So then the next morning I'm well rested. So I wake up, I'm going to wake up early, spend a couple hours with the Lord. Then my homie Giannis is going to bring me breakfast. You know, his name is Giannis, sweetest guy in the world. So I'm like, got my whole morning planned. I wake up to my alarm. I get out there with my Bible and my journal, like five minutes into my quiet time. I'm not joking you. These two women, probably middle-aged women, about 15 feet away from me, just beneath me, so I can hear every word they say, walk down in their high hills to have a full-on Instagram shoot. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like a few pictures, right? No, I, didn't, I don't fully understand. I had a revelation of the Instagram world. <laughs> two hours later, they're still there. At some point... Eight feet in front of me, I can see her doing her like sexy pose. And I was like, I'm watching you. I'm like, I'm reading the Bible right now. Like, leave. All right, so the first like 10, 15 minutes, I am like starting to get heated. Like, you are invading my nirvana. And I, I, I was about to get up and be like, all right, you guys got to take your photo shoot somewhere else. You know, like, <laughs> how many shots do you need? And... But the Lord just checked me. He said, no, no. He said, I just want you to sit and listen so I can just pray for them. And I'm, so then I start listening. And honestly, it like hurt my heart, the level of vanity in these conversations and the amount of time and this and I don't look good. Oh my gosh, this, trying to get this perfect shot to post on their Instagram. And I'm sitting there. And the Lord's like, is this heaven on earth? I was like... No, I was like, it's vain. It's vanity. It's striving after wind, Lord, of course. But it just hit me. I was like, this is empty. And I start looking back on my last day, and I'm like, there's just as much anxiety here as there is anywhere else. And it was just like my heart was stirring. And this is, this is a little image. This was, this was kind of the reoccurring theme of the last three months of my life. We end our time, we had an amazing time. The richest time of that whole vacation was the times we got to connect with Riley and Sammy. And like, that was, that was what made it. It was amazing. It was one of the most fun times of my whole life. And we ended that trip and we flew straight to, to uh, London and about, about two days of travel and we ended up in Wales. And we go from Santorini to Faldebrennan. And Faldebrennan is the most simple place you've ever been in your entire life. There's like 5,000 times more sheep than humans. It's pretty, but it's not Santorini. It's just kind of rolling green pastures. And there's three little 
cobblestone buildings, and they have a very simple uh, routine of prayer where it was about two 20-minute times of prayer per day, and then the rest you just had empty space. No cell phone service, no Wi-Fi, no technology. Jackie and I were in this little thing. It's called the Hermitage. We had a bed that my feet didn't even fit on. We had no food. We had to buy food and make our own food. We had crappy coffee. It was dauntingly simple in the sense that we were like, we have seven full days here. <laughs> like, like, I mean, we could pray for a bit, but then what, you know? I mean, like, I'm more of like the monk, and I'm like, hey, hon, I'm a little scared. <laughs> She's like, you're scared? <laughs> She's, She's like, where's the fun in this place, right? There's like zero entertainment. That's what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's just available. And they've cultivated this really sweet environment of God's presence there. And uh, we just set out on this journey. All we did was really we prayed, we read, we'd go on these long walks through open pastures, and we would talk. It was like honestly boring. Like the whole time, through the end, we were like, this is kind of boring here. But at a much deeper level, we touched life. We laughed more than I probably can remember laughing in a week. I felt like I had a divine appointment with Jesus and my wife every day. We'd have conversations that I'd look and I'd say, I didn't even know there was conversations like this to be had. I touched my desire for God in a way I probably hadn't touched it in seven or eight years. It was lazy. We slept in. There was nothing remarkable about it. But I've just been consumed since I got home trying to figure out how I can stay in that life. I haven't thought one time about that I need to get back to Santorini. That was an awesome experience, but I honestly haven't thought anything about it. But I have like this jealous ache in me that God, I wanna touch the life that we tapped into for seven boring days, doing nothing but just looking to you, communing to you, being met by you, experiencing life. It's like, I feel like I learned more in seven days of of this than I, than I learned in all the other time, the whole sabbatical, maybe even more than I've learned in all of my years of ministry. I just, just being with God, it's like there was life. And I'd been searching, I'd been all summer, it's like, God, you're, you're trying to teach me something. And I was waiting for these overt moments where it was gonna be like, bam, there's the kingdom. But it was like, it was so subtle. It was like my soul just came alive. And it was simple. There was nothing about it that was different than anything. I didn't need anything. I stopped thinking about all the, the things I think about, all the things that I think that I need, all the things that I stress about, all the things. And it wasn't to say, oh, this is, you know, this is life. Modern life has a lot of stresses. It has a lot of desires. It has a lot of these things. But I think I realized, it's like I stepped back and saw more clearly than I've ever seen in my entire life that life is convincing me all the time that all of these things are worth my time, my energy, my effort, this and this and that. It's like how much of it is just vanity? How much of it am I wasting away when I have access to this? Because it was boring. There was nothing amazing. It was just present. 
I slowed down enough to get present. We slowed down enough to get present, and it was miraculous. <laughs> it was absolutely miraculous. It was so beautiful. And it was life. And in a way that I never tasted before, I tasted life. And I know that that's the life of the kingdom. It's the life that God has for us. It's the life of his presence. And I came away and I said, Lord, if I learned one thing this summer, this is what I learned. And I said, I would have told you before that everything's about your presence. Everything is about just being connected to your presence, God. But I realized it hit me like a freight train. It was like, I have only believed that to a certain level. It was your presence and, your presence and, your presence and. And the Lord's saying things to me that sound crazy, like, what would it look like for you to say no to so many things that your life is about 30% the capacity of what it used to be, but you see my fruitfulness come forth for you in a way that you never imagined? God's been challenging me, saying, like, how many verses do I need to show you that if you get filled by me, that what will come forth from you is extravagant? John 15, if you're just connected to the vine, the fruitfulness will flow. If you come to me and drink, out of your innermost being will flow a, a river of life. Right. Our, our souls are far more creative than we realize. And God's like, you thought slow. What you thought was slow is fast. What you thought was fast was light speed, man. And it's like seeing, he's like, what if there's a different way? What if there's an unforced rhythm of grace that actually exists that you can tap into that doesn't alleviate all the stresses and the demands, but it gets you in touch with what's real. You know, I, just being honest, I had to look at my life really with an acuteness that I necessarily didn't want and realize that my soul wasn't in the best place from ministry, that a lot of my uh, relational, I didn't have relational energy. I didn't have... I didn't have what I needed to have to pour into my wife and into my own family and into my closest friends because I was, I've been looking for the next big achievement and I've never been satisfied with the ministry just being this big. It always needed to be a little bit bigger and I didn't, I wasn't satisfied with these opportunities. I just needed a little bit more opportunities and all these little subtle things that would just flip my soul to like, no, the fulfillment you're really gonna find is in some element of the creation. It's a ministry or it's this or it's a new house and I'm guilty of all these things and I feel like I had to look back and say, God, I've been chasing. I've been chasing vanity and I didn't know what I didn't know, uh, but I have like this fear inside of me, this fear of the Lord's like, no more. So I've tasted life. And I know that deep down in this room, every one of you are longing for life. Yeah. You're longing to just enter into the peace and the joy that Jesus has for you right now. You're longing to deeply connect with the people that you deeply love. You're longing for something that's more than just the grind, 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 repeat, where all my spiritual hope and ambition keeps getting pushed further out and further out and further out to another day when the grass is gonna be greener and the sun's gonna be shining brighter and all of it's gonna break loose. What if it's now? What if life's now? And the only thing we have to do is just kinda of 
slow down into it. You know, there's a lot I think I could say. I feel like I've opened up cans of worms that are incomplete in the sense that I can't fully articulate. And uh, we're going to go on those journeys. But this is, I think right now what I want is to just invite you to slow down in this room right now. And just let's ask for the presence of Jesus to just come. And I think for some of you, it may come a little bit more subtly than you expect. For some of you, it may more overt than in your face. But I've learned, uh, I've learned this summer that if you want to relate with the presence of God, it's slower than you think. Relational speed is slower than the speed of achievement and the speed of consumption and the speed of this life. It's so fast. Start watching our clocks. It's 1848. The kids are over there. What's going to happen? Service usually ends by now. All right, and we kind of just speed, speed. And I, what I want you to do is I just want you to stay right here. I'm going to have, I think Helen's going to come play on the keyboard. We're going to have, uh, we'll have a ministry team if you want to receive ministry. But what I want you to do is I don't want you to leave here until you've really s slowed down and you're right here with God. And it's like until this peace comes over you. And then when you leave, I want you to just leave slow. I want you to just slowly walk home, drive home. I want you to be present with the people in your car. I want you to recognize that everything that you're searching for is right here. And let God just unlock something. I think the best way to enter into life is to taste the real thing. And let's just put Jesus at his word for a moment. So I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to just turn your desire to God. You might not feel like you can access that full, deep universe inside of you, that God-shaped, infinite desire. But just get something. Find some desire. And just communicate that you want God right now. And just ask God, just say, come and, come and fill me with your presence. I open up my heart. I open up my mind. And just say, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to slow down, Lord. I'm willing to let go of control right now. And we just ask you to come into this room right now, Spirit of God. And that you'll take us, uh, give us a taste of life. Lord, you say, come to me all who are thirsty and drink. Drink, drink. You say to us, seek my face and let your heart just reply to him tonight, God, in this moment, your face I seek.
You tell us, God, that we're restless until we find rest in you. Just let your heart say, God, tonight I seek home in your peace. The ministry team can come forward. I just want you to respond to God right now. Don't overthink this, but if you need to kneel, kneel. Uh, if, if you want to come receive prayer, receive prayer. You know, some of you, I just, there's something on, uh, some of this is, it's going to come even in relationships around your life. I feel like right now God's opening some of your eyes to just see like to see your, your child that you have, you've been out, in, in, out of concert with, to see your spouse, to see your, your roommate, whatever it is, but God's just, it's like he's opening your eyes to the treasures that are right in front of you. I just see the, the, that God, it's like he's filling your eyes with light to just see, like to see life, to just see life. God, just, just open our eyes to see life right now, to just see the life that you have, that there's actually relief from the anxiety, God, that there is relief from the striving, that there's relief from all the pressure and all of these things that push and push and push us. Let your peace fill this room, God. Let your peace fill every heart that's responding, every heart that's reaching out right now. God, whether it's through their kneeling, God, whether it's just in their, their own inner sanctuary, God, just the extending of their hand to yours, God. Let, let life just come. Let life just come. Let life just come. God, life, you came to give us life and life abundantly. Just let life, 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 let life just fill us. Let life just fill those who are empty, those who you feel like the wind's been out of your sail. God, let life, let life just rise up. God, those that feel like the, the air has been out of the, let out of the balloon. God, let life, just let life fill. God, those who've been chasing a fleeting joy, but have been living with an abiding anxiety. God, let life, let life just come. God, let us taste the real thing right now. Let us taste the real thing, God, reality right now, right now on earth as it is in heaven. God, right this moment, right this moment, God, let us just taste the joy, the joy that comes from you, God, the peace of your presence right now.
we just say that you're heaven, Jesus. And that if we have you, we have everything. But without you, we have nothing. I just continue to repent, Lord, for how I've been so hurried. Forgive us, God, how hurried we've been to get from one place to the next, how hurried we've been to, to get the next accomplishment, the next accolade, the next financial platitude, the next deal, the next conversation the next appointment, the next, the next, the next, God. Let us taste of something so real, God, so, so powerful and momentous, God, that it, the gravity of it just keeps us. You're the real thing, God. And our hearts are restless. Until they rest in you, our souls are aching until they're filled by you. Our desire, God, is inflamed and scattered, Lord, and lost. Until it's you. Like some of you are experiencing a, a weighty presence right now. And God wants you to know that's just the gravity of life abundant. So like some of you are tasting of something right now. God's saying this is the real thing. This is the real thing. This is the real thing. Just picture yourselves now as you, uh, as you leave. Some of you are going to have to walk across the lobby and pick up your kids. Some of you are just going to walk to your cars. But I just want you to picture yourself walking with this life. I want you to picture yourself picking up your kids over there and them looking at your face and seeing life. walking from here but nothing changing so this isn't about a spiritual moment this is about the kingdom 
hurry and close this time, but we're just going to keep this space open and you're free to just keep responding. I'm going to come down. I'm going to have Jackie come up with me and we'll just pray and the team's up here to pray and we get to practice now like spiritual moments aren't just spiritual moments at church <laughs> just stay with Jesus yeah stay right in step with him right in the rhythm of his spirit right through the craziness of life let's just keep tasting and drinking of the real thing so, Lord, we thank you for this time, but we thank you for all time in our life. And that we just ask, God, that you keep training us how to walk in the kingdom. Now, whether it feels powerful or not, God, whether it's overt or you're doing something in the inner places of our heart, God, we just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that life is now. And I bless you all to enter into it to never leave it. Amen. Amen. We'll go in peace. You can stay in peace. You can come receive prayer in peace. Take your kids home in peace. But be blessed.